Hey everybody, welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Maria, come stai? How you doing? Padre. How are you? Molto bene. It's kind of nice. It's a, it's a bit of a, I don't want to say a lull, uh, but we have a, a chance to be home for a few weeks before we hit the road like crazy. I think we're on the road almost nonstop from more or less the middle of August until Thanksgiving. So yeah, we are. Yeah. It is nice to be home. It's nice. You know, uh, uh, Steve and I call our home like, um, our sanctuary mm. and that sanctuary becomes more and more important, uh, when, um, when we come off the road because we've been living in various places. And I have to say too, can I just tell you how much I appreciate Michigan's weather? Yeah. For those of you thinking of going to Phoenix, it's hot. Like, I think we had uh, we did some we did some mission work out in Phoenix for the archdiocese, which was or for the diocese, which was a, a real grace. And then we uh, some of us had a chance to get away and get out west, and uh, we had a blast. But I think we had fifteen days of one hundred and ten plus, and I love the heat. And personally, we love heat, right? But wow, was that hot! It's nice to wake up one day and have it be fifty nine degrees in the middle of the in the middle of the night or the so, middle of the morning. So, so I was doing some math earlier this morning, Father John. So I looked at the I looked at the temperatures on my phone, and it said it was sixty six, and I went. Holy cow, that's 50 degrees cooler <laughs> than when Plus. we left Arizona. I thought, oh, I love Michigan. Yeah. Lord, me- never let me complain about the grace, guys. Too. Yes, we're just, we do. We're just happy. We're praying for you for Amen. relief, and, uh, but we're happy to be in Michigan. Absolutely. So I, I love what we're doing right now. I just love the new format. I love the feedback that we've gotten from people. Um, really appreciate the comments that folks have sent in with just us taking a kind of a leisurely look at the Word of God in a particular way, focusing on just the first reading for the Sunday coming up. So I'm thrilled. I love doing this. I know how much you love the Word of God. Uh, I love Scripture. I find a lot of people don't spend anywhere near enough time in the Old Testament, so I think it's just it's a gift for me personally uh, to do this with you, and I think it's been uh, been helpful for others as well. So What's our topic today? So our topic for today is, what can we learn from a mighty man's fall? Ooh, buckle up, people. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this time right now, just to reflect upon your word, which is your gift to us, your revelation to us, which is healing for us. It's not just something that happened a long time ago. It's something that's been written down for our instruction. And so help Mary and I as we reflect upon what it is that you've revealed uh, to speak intelligibly and frankly and hopefully and encouragingly to one another and to those who are listening. Mother Mary, we ask that you would, even now, before your son's throne, intercede on our behalf. Pray that we would grow in the gift of wisdom and humility. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hey, I know before we dive into this, you want to make a a quick reminder about an upcoming event, which is getting really close now. What is it? It's so exciting, Father John. So I was uh, um, in communication with our good friends in the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and we were getting close to selling out uh, the Rescue Live revival that's happening there on September 9th. So our good friends uh, in Atlanta have added some seats. So we would just encourage y'all, if you're thinking about going to 
act quickly to register. You can register by going to um, acts29.org, our website, or rescueproject.us. Click on the banner and get registered and invite like crazy because God is going to be moving in power in Atlanta, in hot Atlanta, in yeah. more heat. How lovely! <laughs> Can't wait. I gotta say, I'm looking forward to going to Ireland for Deacon Mark's soon to be Father yeah. Mark's ordination that we're going to do. In a yeah, we'll be of, layering up weeks, then. So. Okay, we digress. Right. Okay, why don't you read with us uh, or read for us that uh, first reading that's going to be coming up for this uh, Sunday? Coming ahead Sunday, of us. absolutely. I'd love to, Father John. So this is um, a reading from the first book of Kings. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask something of me and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, O Lord my God, you have made me your servant, king to succeed my father David. But I am a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people, and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. So God said to him, Because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, nor for riches, nor for the life of your enemies, but for understanding, so that you may know what is right, I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise and understanding that there has never been anyone like you up to now. And after you, there will come no one to equal you. Love this passage. I mean, I love this passage. Maybe we can, let's try to do three things. Let's try to break it open a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about what it is that Solomon asks for and why it's so important. And then let's talk about something like a warning. Mm, maybe, I love that. maybe lastly, yep. we can talk about some takeaways, right? right. I love that. So, uh, just worth noting, uh, this passage has a uh, a parallel passage, which is found in uh, the Old Testament as well, in the Second Book of Chronicles, chapter one, verses seven to twelve. And the only reason for noting that is what Paul or what Paul, what Solomon asked for there, is different, um, similar ideas, but different words. He asks for wisdom and for knowledge. So I, I just love this scene. So this is like Aladdin come true. Yeah. You know, I mean, picture Ask this, me right? anything you want. The creator of the universe, who's, a, who's made a universe that's 90 plus billion light years across, the all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient God for whom nothing is impossible, comes to you, Mary Guilfoyle, and says, hey, what do you want? Ask me, ask me for it anything and i'll give it to you what would you ask for you know i have to be really honest um i i have asked and continue to ask for something that he that the that the lord was pleased that solomon didn't ask for Hmm. and and because he said he didn't ask for a long life and one of my one of my constant prayers is that God would give me length of days. Mm. 
And, and there's a, a whole mindset and a heart of prayer behind that. But I want length of days, obviously, because I love life, love my family, love my kids, my husband, my grandkids. And because I want to make up for those years that I did not live and love Jesus the way I should live and love Jesus. So give me length of days to please you, know you, abide in you, cling to you, all of those things. And yet Solomon's honored because he didn't ask ask for for that. that. Right. Which once again, I think shows uh, where the godly one is in the podcast. That would be you. Because I like I get anything I want, right? Like I'm probably asking for all the things that immediately come to most of our minds, you know, like health, financial security, um, a little payback on those who've hurt me. I mean, like really, I think that's what, I mean, that's what a lot of us would probably go to. If I'm really honest, like that's what I'm asking for. Mm. Would you smite that person Lord, or at least just give them a little (laughs) reminder of how much they've hurt me or whatever it might be. Or how about an infusion, like you said, of cash in my 401k, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and that's not what Solomon asked no. for. And, and I think this is the beautiful thing. Even as you were reading this, an, an, an insight which I hadn't thought about before mm. came to me, which is, you know, oftentimes we get put in positions of leadership, authority. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be you get married. It could be you're aspiring to, uh, to something you've always wanted to do, and then suddenly you're the one, like you're doing it. Like I'm thinking of priests who are like, man, I want to be pastor one day. And boom, then they're pastor and they wake up the next morning and they realize, oh shoot, like this is all on me. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's what Solomon comes to grips with. You know, I'm thinking of politicians who, you know, campaign for positions and then they get them. And and I pray anyway that they wake up and they go, the waitingness. Oh no. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's where Solomon is. I don't know what I'm doing. Talk about self-knowledge. Right. I hope there's something of that in all of us. You know, other, otherwise the alternative is arrogance. Yeah, I got this. So Solomon, out of his awareness of this is beyond me on my own, asks for wisdom. And I remember, I remember it's actually when I met you and Steve. I remember preaching on this at, uh, at Divine Child in Dearborn, Michigan when I was first ordained. Because this would have been the... Uh, the first reading, I think the first year that I was ordained, like month one, and thinking, man, what a boring thing to ask for. Like how dull. You can ask for anything you want. You ask for wisdom, and yet wisdom is the single most important thing to ask for. And and here's why. There, there is a, a spectacular book with a really boring title called The Four Cardinal Virtues by Joseph Pieper, which Personally, I experienced his section on temperance. I experienced as more healing than the theology mm-hmm. of the body by John Paul, but that's for another podcast. In the four cardinal virtues, so the four cardinal virtues are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Prudence is the the virtue version of wisdom. So, in, in other words, Solomon's asking for prudence, and prudence for a lot of us is like, wow, that's a really prudent person. Like they they were kind of conniving. They they were somewhat deceitful. But that's not what prudence means. Uh, prudence is this perfected capacity to make right decisions based on reality. So one way to think about wisdom is wisdom is the capacity to see reality as it is. And Pieper makes the point of saying that this is the single most important virtue because if you don't have prudence or if you don't have wisdom, you can't be just because you don't know what right and wrong is. You can't be temperate 
and you can't be courageous because you don't know what to be brave about. And we are, I think, oftentimes a highly educated and foolish people. We can't see reality. So we, we, we all desperately need to see reality the way it is. There, there's, some, there's some excerpts in this. I was going to read a few of them, but I, th- I think that's enough just to let it stay at that. Highly, highly encourage this little gem of a book uh, called The Four Cardinal Virtues, Peeper, P-I-E-P-E-R. And this is uh, most especially essential for government leaders. You know, for anybody who's making decisions that make impacts on the people that they care for, uh, you need wisdom. So think of the case when Solomon has uh, the two women brought to him who are both saying, it's my child. And he says, well, let's just split the child in half and you can each have one or each have a half, right? And, and the real mother says, no, 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 don't do that. And the other one says, fine. And by the basis of asking that question, he knows who He's the real mother the truth, is. Right? The real mother is willing to do anything to let the child live, right? So we should be praying for our government leaders for this, but we, we also need it for ourselves. We, and it made me think, you know, I often, um, this has been a personal, I don't know if it's a pet peeve. It's something that I go hard after, and I try to encourage other priests to go hard after too, especially when we're talking about moral issues. We use language oftentimes like right and wrong, but I don't think those words are helpful for people. I'm not saying they're not um, useful words, but I think people don't really know what we're saying. So if you think about moral decisions, a light bulb went off for me in my life when I remember uh, coming across Thomas Aquinas' teaching that you know God hates sin, but he only hates it for one reason. And the only reason he hates it is because it's harmful to me. It's like, oh, well, that's that's different. That's not because I, I think most of us, if we're honest, we have deep down in our in our minds and understanding that there's just a bunch of laws that I have to do, and they're arbitrary, just like the speed limits arbitrary or the tax codes arbitrary or a whole set of other load uh, laws that we have to abide by are arbitrary. So we impose that unto God that God's laws are arbitrary, but God's laws aren't arbitrary. God gives us what He gives us because to do them is healthy for us. And to not do them is harmful to us. And so when we choose to sin, it's not just that we're choosing wrong. We're choosing harm. And God loves us so much, he doesn't want to see us get hurt. And so he says, don't do that. Just like a mom says, don't put your hand on that stove because, not because if you disobey me, I'm going to get so ticked, I'm going to burn your hand. But because by your putting the hand on the stove, it's going to get hurt. And I don't want to see that happen. Does that make sense? Totally makes Been sense. A Absolutely, huge thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, those are some of the things that are. I, th- I think as we just talk about the, the the wisdom of Solomon's choice for wisdom, they hit me. And so, all of this framed as you framed it in my mind as we're having this conversation is are, are these two words, and yet Ooh, here comes the warning, people, and yet. You know, and so as I was praying with these scriptures, I'm thinking, here's this man who was wise enough to ask for wisdom, who had enough self-knowledge to know what his limitations were, that he recognized he had a need. He recognized the opportunity that was coming before him 
that he was going to receive that for which he asked and hungered for, which tells me something about the predisposition of his heart. And yet, things end badly yep. and can I, for can Solomon. I, can I pause you real sure, quick? Because sure. I want to just build on what you said. Sure. Not only is, is this true, but just to go back to the last sentence in the reading. Because you have asked for this, I give you a heart so wise and understanding that there has never been anyone like you up to now, and after you there will come no one equal to you. So we're talking about the man, according to the word of God, who is wisest of all. Now go to your end yet again. Yes, and, and so, so, so you have these promises. He has this encounter. He receives what he's asked for. And he finds himself in a really bad spot. I'm in a tight spot. Like he was in a tight spot. He had wives. He had concubines. Thousands. He fell into like massive idolatry. Right. Right. And I was praying with, so as I was praying with this, I was thanking God. And I know we're going to, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later in the conversation, but just the goodness and the graciousness of scripture. Mm that scripture holds out before us strong, great men, great leaders, their strengths, and yet we hear the story of their lives and their fall. So so no one is immune to the allures of the world and power and precision, right. all of that. Right. And so I thought about David. And yeah. uh, last Friday I was, you know, a morning prayer we pray, the miserere right? Psalm, Psalm 51. 51. Mm-hmm. He wrote that coming out of um, his own sin. Of adultery and of murder. Of adultery. And murder. And, 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 and absolutely, and Proverbs are replete. I, I think Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 are replete with admonitions around that particular sin. So we, we have Samson, we have Solomon, we have King David, we have Peter. Mm-hmm. Not even there at the foot Not of the even cross. The most significant moment in the history in all of the world. Of history. Guy chosen to be the rock, the head of the church, and didn't even show yeah. up. Right? Yeah, right? And it's not just then. After Easter. He, That's right. He, he, would, he, he blows it again, right? With uh, the letter to the Galatians that Paul writes. He's like, Paul rebukes him mm-hmm. for giving in to peer pressure. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was just thinking about the goodness and graciousness of God in that this is why scripture is just so beautiful and so rich and so instructive that here you ask yourself, how could this man possibly fall? He holds before us, tells stories of powerful and godly people who fall away. And that, that sadly is a comfort for me because that's the story. Yeah, well, that's everybody's story. Life, that's everybody's right? story. Right. And if, if we're not comforted by this, then we're just right. really proud and um, God has a way of dealing with those of us who are proud. So if that's you, stay alert. So let's try to break that open. Yeah, How can to. this be? Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and even in asking that question, let's be careful because this is something like the mystery of suffering. This is the, you know, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of sin. And we want to be careful that we don't try to offer a, a simple solution for it. But let's make some observations anyway, and then maybe make some takeaways for us. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So, you know, Father John, 
to be really honest, that I had a conversation with a beautiful woman um, in the Northeast uh, last week, and we were talking about the impact of the rescue project um, in her small group and in her parish, and she wants to bring it to the high school. And we were just unpacking the richness that is the rescue project, the way that the Lord has led you to um, to preach uh, the gospel. And we went into this conversation that I would want to talk about now, and and I remember telling her, I said, it's because sin is a power. And you make the point in the Rescue Project of saying sin is a power spelled with a capital S. You know, death is a power spelled at, you know, with a capital D. Sin is a power, which means none of us are immune to the allure of the world and the flesh, the spirit of the world. It is only by God's grace that we're not overrun by the power of sin. But but I, I just think there's something revelatory in the way that you preach that in the rescue project because each and every one of us have an experience of sin. It's that, you know, scripture tells us that the righteous man falls seven times a day. And that's if you're a righteous man or woman. Right. But sin is a power. That's how that happens to Solomon. That's how that happened to David. That's how it happens to you and I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, and we want to be, like, I'm always cautious as I'm talking about this. There's so much to sin, right? Sin is, yes, something that I do. You know, I, I choose to say or not say, do, not do, think, not think. Um, but before that, it is this power. That, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 5, right? Where he's talking about Adam. Therefore, just as sin, and it should be understood there is capital S, the power of sin came into the world through one man, and then death through sin. That, that's what he's talking about there. Right. So Paul, in a particular way, is talking about sin as a power. Jesus does too. And and I, I find, you know, there's there's that passage in, it's in Genesis 4, with the story of Cain and Abel, where the Lord says, he warns um, Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is for you. Like, it's trying to hunt us. These are the principalities and powers or among the principalities and powers that are trying to destroy us and to, to enslave us and to degrade us. Its desire is for me. So I think oftentimes we, we treat sin as something like um, something we're going to flirt with as if it's a neutral party. It's not a neutral There's party. There's nothing neutral about it. It's a hostile, it. um, venomous, um, malicious, attacking Power that wants nothing less than my destruction mm-hmm. and your destruction, right? But the Lord goes on to say to Cain, but you must overcome it. You know, and, and this is now possible for us because of the redemption that Jesus has accomplished and his defeat of the power of sin. Amen. We've been transferred from that kingdom right. to the kingdom of God. Right. And and I'm also thinking, you know, uh, uh, in Peter, I think it's First Peter 8, where j- just even the first words there, be sober-minded, like, be alert, yeah. be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around constantly like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And our call that's possible by the power of God's grace, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, is to resist him. That's right. By all means, because sin is so subtle yep. and it's a slow burn and it, it's gradual. And I think reflecting on Solomon's life, um, like all of our experience with it, um, we we 
either intentionally or unintentionally have open doors in our lives um, where sin can come in and start to um, start to get a foothold, uh, start to erect a fortress. Uh, start to um, establish some patterns of behavior because falls like that in our lives don't happen overnight, right? Yeah, that's right. So let's start to think about a couple of, you know, takeaways. We we got several here just in in reflecting on the Word of God for what we can do this week. And, you know, a couple that come immediately to mind is, you know, let's, let's make this our prayer. Even if the leaders of our government aren't making this prayer, we can pray it for them, right? So let's, let's ask the Lord to bless us with men and women who have wise minds mm. and understanding hearts so that they can make decisions in accord with how things truly are, in accord with reality, so that they can make you know, those, um, those judgments that they need to make, not pressured by special interest groups, not pressured by money, not pressured by a desire to be wanted, pressured by the, the, the knowledge that they have of, well, that's the, that's the healthy thing to do versus the harmful thing to do. So let's pray for, for wisdom for, for our leaders, but let's pray for wisdom for ourselves too. Uh, even, Amen. I, I, you know, I was convicted mm-hmm. reading this. I remember praying that prayer when I was first made a pastor, which was eight, 12, 13, 19 years ago now. And even as I was hearing you read that, I'm thinking, wow, like, why have I stopped praying for that? <laughs> Although I often ask people to pray for wisdom and for courage for us, but I need to pray for that more myself too. Yeah. Just Lord, make, help me to grow in wisdom. Help me to see. Yeah. Help me to see reality, you know? But what else can we take away from this? I love David's prayer on Fridays. Which prayer is that? Uh, Psalm 51, where he asks for, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, gosh, what a great prayer to pray, not just once a day, but maybe several times in the day as your day gets cluttered cluttered up with a manner of living and going about doing what it is God's invited us to do, just to recreate in me a clean heart, wipe clean that which is not pleasing to you. Right, yeah. in all manner of thought and word and deed, to, just to create that clean heart. It's always been one of my my favorite prayers. And, and I think I think most people know this, but in case they don't, I think the beauty or the power of David's prayer is that word that he uses in Hebrew. The word is bara, is something that only God can do. That's right. So, so what David's saying basically is, Lord, this is my heart. It's adulterous and it's murderous, and I can't change it. That's right. Only, Only you, you can, can change it. So I'm begging you to to create a new one, and that's a that's an honest prayer. Like, do something, Lord. You see what my heart looks like. I need you to do this. Yeah. And to that point, you know, just speaking about King David, one of the things that has always struck me about King David is he was quick to repent. Mm. And, and 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 that might be something else. You know, that we can um, we can. Um, we can pray for the grace, mm-hmm. even if we can't get to the sacrament of confession, uh, to in that moment uh, to drop to our knees and just go, gosh, Lord, I shouldn't have said what I just said maybe that way. Yeah. Or I didn't respond as as I should have. You know, so just maybe just to be quick to repent. And, and, and as we do that, I mean, it's in my own life. Like, 
I am so aware of who I am and who I'm not. And as we grow in an understanding of who we are, that may we extend maybe that same capacity um, to be merciful. So not to be so quick to condemn. Does that yeah. make sense? I mean, it, it, you know, to, to, to look at others through the lens of, this is my capacity, they're as human as I am. Yeah, so I might connect that quickly with uh, stay humble. You know, so I, I hear one of the few things that makes me angry is when I hear people say or I read people write talking about the falls of another person. Oh my gosh, I would never do that. Um, the honest reality is you have no capacity what you're capable of. Each and every one of us is capable of anything. And the scriptures are showing that. That's one of the beauties of the graciousness of scripture. If King David can fall, if St. Peter can fall, if Solomon, the wisest man of all, can fall, then good grief, people. Nothing's beyond me. Nothing's beyond you. So be very careful not to condemn. That doesn't mean that we make, can't make judgments on people's actions, but it means we have to be careful that we don't judge their interior. I have no idea why anybody did anything that they did. All I know is what I'm capable of doing. All you know is what you're capable mm-hmm. of doing. All each of us knows is what we're capable of doing. St. Philip Neri, who lived back in the 1500s, just a tremendous man. He used to pray, Lord, keep your hand on Philip today or else Philip will surely betray you. I love that. I mean, that's confidence in himself. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fall, Lord, unless you keep mm-hmm. your hand on me. So that line from Neri... Yeah. makes me think of like if I were to sum up this first reading um, from um, from Kings looking at Solomon's life is a, is, is a look at our humanity mm. our strengths our weaknesses and our absolute need for God I love that yeah ooh how about that for the final word <laughs> yeah you, you get the mic drop so let's leave with you know like so let's have utmost confidence in God and as one of the spiritual masters of the Middle Ages says zero confidence in ourselves because I've proven to myself over and over again what I'm capable of doing and yet God shows himself most mighty not in recreating but in pardoning God loves to to forgive blessed be he and because that's true people do not be afraid God is with you, and you were born for this.